God has come into our hearts, and we have been blessed with faith in God. Let's profess that faith with our statement, we, our belief in God. Together we say, we believe that God the Father is a spirit who has made himself known to man through God the Son, Jesus Christ, to all believers through God the Holy Spirit. We worship and glorify him as the creator of the heavens and the earth, and as the author of all things known and unknown. He is the true and perfect God, who gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. We believe in one Lord, Jesus Christ, who is the only Son of God, and yet is God. Because of his great love for us, he came down from heaven and became human by the Holy Spirit. Because of his great love for us, he was crucified and suffered death for our sins. Because of his great love for us, he rose from the dead and defeated Satan's power of sin over us. He has given us the Holy Spirit to help us in our Christian walk. We believe in the Holy Spirit who has spoken through the prophets. He comes from the Father and the Son, who with them is to be worshipped and glorified. He is the giver of life, the one who intercedes to God on our behalf, and the one who empowers us for works of service. We believe that we live in God and he in us because he has given his spirit. How great is the love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called the children of God. May God bless us in that faith. At this time, we invite our young children, ages three through second grade, to go into the entryway and meet the teacher to go to children's church. The other day I had an email that asked this question. What if Christmas depended on you? Now I forget what it was selling. <laughs> but the point was, boy, Christmas could really depend on you and what you do. Are you ready for it? And you might think, okay, that you know, maybe you're in charge of the family gathering. Or maybe you're the one who has to take care of making something, some kind of special food. Or the one who gets all the, the presents uh, shopped for and wrapped up. Uh, my wife does that. I have a hard enough time just taking care of my present for her. But she takes care of everybody else. So when, when you think of that question, what if Christmas depended on you, you probably think of all the things that you have to do to get ready for Christmas. But what if we looked at that question just a little bit differently? What if how people experienced Christmas 
what about how people, what they would get out of Christmas? What if that all depended on you? Now, maybe that would be a little harder to deal with. Maybe you wouldn't be so clear-cut what you had to do in the lists and the, the timeline and all that. And finally, how do you control how, what somebody else is going to experience and walk away with? That could be challenging. But let's take that question and let's change it one more time. What if how you experienced Christmas depended on you? Maybe that might be even harder. What if Christmas, my experience of Christmas, depended on what I did? Well, I could see how certain things would fail, would fall short. And then these expectations of what I want Christmas to be, wouldn't it be so, so good? What about that experience of Christmas? Well, this Advent season, as we look forward to celebrating Christmas, we're looking at the gifts of Christmas. That is, those gifts that God gives us. Last week we talked about hope. Today we want to talk about peace. I want to share with you a passage from Scripture that we're probably all very familiar with because we hear it very often during this Christmas season. Like last week, this passage also is from the Old Testament prophet Micah. And in it, he was telling us about where the Savior would be born. He said, But you, Bethlehem Ephrathah, though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come for me one who will be ruler over Israel, whose origins are from of old, from ancient times. Now, there's a lot of neat things in that passage, but I want to call your attention to the very first word, but. A little word with a big meaning, with a big purpose. It's showing a contrast. He was just talking about something else, and now he says, but you, Bethlehem, and he's talking about the Savior. But what was he making the contrast with? Let's take a look at that verse right before, verse 1. He says, Marshal your troops now, city of troops, for a siege is laid against us. They will strike Israel's ruler on the cheek with a rod. And then he says, But you, Bethlehem, a ruler is going to come from you. And then right after that, he adds this. Therefore, Israel will be abandoned. Isn't that interesting? Here we take that beautiful verse that speaks of that joy of, of, the, of the Savior coming, being born in Bethlehem, but it's surrounded by verses that talk about war. Or we might put it this way, about trouble. You see, Micah was reminding the people that there's going to be trouble ahead. Trouble for them, but as we listen to those words, it's also reminding us about troubles for us. He was talking about some of the threats that existed for them that they were experiencing. Threats. What kind of threats? Well, he said, a siege is laid against us. 
So get the troops ready. He was talking about a war, the threat of war. If you look at this map, you'll see what I'm talking about. That nation up to the, uh, up to, toward the top where it says Assyria. They were going to be attacking Israel. And they would attack them very shortly. And wipe Israel out. And then about 150 years later, the Babylonians would come. And they would wipe out the southern part of Israel. Attacking the city of Jerusalem and destroying it. That was the threat that the people were experiencing. And, and Micah was telling them why they were experiencing that. This message was a warning to them. They were turning away from God. And so the threat really had to do with their relationship with God. Those threats of those armies coming against them were simply warnings that they needed to return to having faith in God. Now, you and I experience some threats, too, in life, threats from, from different things. For example, we uh, are used to hearing about uh, red flag warnings, right? The threat that because things are so dry and there might be some real warm winds, there could be fires uh, that are out there in some of those more remote areas. But because they're in the farther remote areas, they don't necessarily affect us here in San Jose, so we don't get all too worried about it, probably. Remember the threats that existed in, in regard to flying? When, when they had all those uh, colors about uh, the different threat levels, you know, there was the red, there was the orange, there was the yellow. Well, they don't even use that system anymore. And we've become so used to going through all those security lines and such that we don't really think about the threats with flying. So sometimes when we hear about threats, you know, we just kind of blow it off because it probably doesn't affect us so much. But when the threat becomes more personal, when it seems that it's more likely that something could happen to me, ah, then, then we perk up, right? Then we get a little bit concerned, and, and then we take steps to kind of protect ourselves or defend ourselves. You know, if we hear there's been burglaries or something in the neighborhood, we'll make maybe a little more sure that we have our cars locked and our doors locked and our gates locked and things like that. Well, what about this threat? Threat about turning away from God. Do we get serious about that? Micah was talking about the conflicts that exist. For, for the Israelites, it was those conflicts with the, with the Assyrian nation and, and with the Babylonians. And it was all kind of ironic because uh, the capital city, of course, is Jerusalem. And the name of Jerusalem meant city of peace. And yet he's telling them, get ready for, for fighting. Marshal your troops. Get them all. Get the army together. We need to fight. Where, where is the peace? Now we might again think, well, we're not in that kind of a situation right now. 77 years ago we were. This past weekend, it was the anniversary of the attack on Pearl Harbor. When America was caught off guard and our um, 
Hawaii was attacked, and that put us now right into the heart of World War II. And thousands of Americans lost their lives in defending our freedom. Now, most of us, I don't think we were alive during that time. But I remember my parents telling me all about it. They lived through that. But most of us were alive uh, for 9-11 when we had that conflict, when there was that threat, there was attack on our nation. But since that was some time ago, and maybe we don't feel that conflict anymore, but there are other conflicts that we experience in life, whether it's crime in our community or or our leaders fighting, or conflicts that maybe exist in relationships that we have, we too experience conflict. But this is maybe the conflict we should be concerned about, that one with God. Not that God has caused conflict with us. No, no, no. no. We've caused the conflict with God when we have decided that our will is more important than his will, when we decide that we're going to do things our way, when we want our will to be done and not his, whether it's what we say or what we do or don't do or the things we say about other people, when we hear his commands but think, well, everybody else lives this way and nothing happens, so what's the big deal? Or we know what his commission is. Like with John the Baptist, we're supposed to take that message of peace out to the world. But if we think it's not all important and we have other priorities in life, then we're creating that conflict. You see, we are going into the condition that the Israelites were in in Micah's time. We're stepping away from God. And so his message is, there's trouble. There's trouble in your relationship with God. Now, sometimes when we experience those threats and those conflicts, we feel the fear because we know what may come as a result. And and maybe we know some changes have to be made, but we, we feel powerless to do anything. And we keep repeating some of the same things that get us into that trouble. We may even wonder, is this is, is God even on our side? Why is this why is this happening? Now, we worry about things in our life, and understandably so. You know, what's going on with my job? What's happening to friendships? What about health and, and my finances and things like that? There are troubles that we face, and sometimes we even have those conflicts in life, too. And we might sometimes feel like this, like maybe we're just a pawn in in the game of chess and there's all these other moves that are being made around us and there isn't much we can do, we're stuck. Now today you probably didn't come to church to hear about troubles. But they're there, aren't they? Instead, during this season, we want to hear about the joy. This is supposed to be a season of joy. And yet listen to when that message of joy is given. In a season of conflict and trouble. If Christmas were dependent on you, would you have a good Christmas? 
the troubles are going to be there. What will make Christmas joyous and really change a life? It's a gift. Not something we can do. See, Christmas is not dependent on us, but it comes as a gift from God. Jesus talked about having troubles in life. He said, in this world, you will have trouble. And he followed up by saying, but take heart. I have overcome the world. Why did he tell us that? Listen how he prefaced those remarks. He said, I have told you these things so that in me you will have peace. He didn't say what it is you have to do to make Christmas dependent on your actions. In me, you will have peace. And that's what Micah is reminding us about with that beautiful passage about Bethlehem. He's telling us there is peace from your God. Where do you go to do your Christmas shopping? Maybe it depends on what you're looking for, right? If you're looking for some electronic and techie stuff, maybe you go to Best Buy or, or Fry's Electronics. If you're looking for uh, certain clothing items, maybe there's a particular clothing store you like. Or if it's a jewelry, maybe you go to K Jewelers or, well, that's the only one I know because I don't do any shopping for jewelry. <laughs> but you, you look for some kind of special, specialty store, right? I mean, you don't go to 7-Eleven to probably get that kind of stuff, right? You go to the bigger places, the specialty places. Where do you want peace? Freedom from the effects of all those troubles we have in life. You go to God. And Micah tells us why. He says, you, Bethlehem Ephrathah, though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come for me one who will be ruler over Israel, whose origins are from of old, from ancient times. It's kind of interesting where he tells us to go and look for God in Bethlehem. Bethlehem was just this little hick town in the hills where shepherds hung out. With all the trouble that Israelites, the Israelites were facing, he didn't say, go to Jerusalem because the king is there and the army is there and you'll be okay. No, he says, let's look to this little hick town called Bethlehem where shepherds hang out. And he said, from there, a ruler will come whose origins are from of old, from ancient times. What he was talking about is this. That we have peace from our God because he is a conquering king. A ruler will come from there. And that ruler is God. He described him as one who came from the ancient times. From everlasting past. He's talking about the eternal God God's son coming into this world to be our ruler. And because he is eternal, he's conquering. You see, nothing can stop him. He's eternal. Nothing gets in the way and fouls up his plans. He's eternal. 
and he rules for you. And that eternal one came into this world for you. Micah goes on to say, Therefore Israel will be abandoned until the time when she who is in labor bears a son. He's talking about that miracle virgin birth of Mary. As the Holy Spirit came upon her and the Son of God was conceived in her and then she gave birth to the Son of God who would be our Savior who came into this world to live for us. We have a conquering king. And that's why Jesus said, I have overcome the world. Yes, you will experience troubles, but there is peace. I have overcome the world. I make all those troubles work for you. I never let them stop or interfere with my plan for you. And then I, Micah adds this. He says, he will stand and shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord, in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God, and they will live securely, for then his greatness will reach to the ends of the earth. He's also telling us that this conquering king is our caring shepherd. Maybe that's one of the reasons why Jesus was born in Bethlehem, that little hick town of shepherds, because he would be a shepherd. He would be one who would watch over us. Like a shepherd, he would guide, he would provide, he would protect, and then even more. Listen how Jesus describes himself as our shepherd. He says, I am the good shepherd. He was just talking about all those hired shepherds who run away, who are only thinking about themselves and, and run away when there's danger. They're the first ones to leave. They abandon the sheep. But Jesus is the good shepherd. He says, I know my sheep, and my sheep know me, just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father. And I lay down my life for the sheep. The reason my Father loves me is that I lay down my life only to take it up again. Jesus came to live for us, but also to lay down his life for us, to take away that penalty of death that we deserve for our sins. We are forgiven because of what Jesus has done. And we are righteous through our faith in the one who was righteous for us. And we will live again just as he did, just as he took up his life again, so we also will take up our life again by the power of God in the resurrection. We have a shepherd who cares a shepherd who knows our needs. And so Micah finishes his beautiful statement with this. He will be our peace. It's not what you do to experience a great Christmas. It's what he has done. He is our peace, our certainty. There may be a lot of Troubles that we will experience in our life, will it affect your Christmas? Is Christmas really dependent on you? No. 
Remember who your God is and what he has done. That he's your conquering king and that he is your caring shepherd. And then when the troubles do arise, simply pray and trust because in him you have peace. So may this be our Advent and our Christmas prayer. May the peace of God, which surpasses all of our understanding, guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. That's how you experience Christmas. Amen.